0: You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show.
1: yo welcome to the half a bird sports show you have so many options for high flying entertainment get you chose to ride with us and we appreciate that it's the solo weekend show so you get your boy jay to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics late breaking news things that make no sense and a few surprises you can find us on wmqgradio.com and wherever podcasts are served twice a week I appreciate y'all coming on here as usual. Uh, Today's show is going to be, it's going to be fun, fun field. Nah, not, not really, but, (laughs) but it's going to be an interesting show for you guys. I'm going to put together some good content for you. I'm going to talk a little bit of Baker Mayfield and him dissing um, Daniel Jones. The rookies aren't really fans of Steph. I got, some comments on the XFL's New Jersey's as well as I got to get mad at Jimmy for his last show. I asked him to do me a favor and he kind of fumbled. Yeah, he fumbled in the clutch. So I'm gonna go ahead and start us off with, of course, this. All right. So Baker Mayfield. Well, see, I had a whole bunch of stuff that I really had queued up Had a long laundry list of things to really go over. But when I really look back at it, I'm just like, man, this is our last week of really not having anything to talk about. So I can put all this stuff together and try to make this a super entertaining show. But then it might not be really that entertaining because it's kind of like, really, who cares? I mean, I could do what everybody else does. A typical clickbait around this time of the year is putting together a list. And I do have a list that I will discuss later in the show. Um, to combat some things that my co-host Jimmy decided to go into that I in every way, shape or form disagree with, but I didn't want to just do like a list list of, you know, top players and, you know, favorite rappers and all of that. I mean, right now, the biggest thing that's going on is the chicken war. I mean, I know everybody's seen the chicken sandwich war between Popeye's and their new spicy chicken sandwich. And, chick-fil-a wendy's decided to jump in i heard uh Burgers making comments now Harolds was making a was jumping in the game uh shack shack was up there saying some stuff and uh i mean the list is going on about everybody trying to jump into this game try to figure out what's shocking me though is that we haven't heard from mcdonald's or mcdowell's holding a big mick Neither one of them have made a comment about cheddar chicken sandwiches. So we'll have to see if they're going to jump in. But I'll talk about that a little bit later too, but I want to lead off with this Baker Mayfield story. I think that this was probably the most interesting story of the week, even though we had, who was that Antonio Brown running around, not wanting to play again because this, his helmet. And I feel like Jimmy kind of did enough talking about him and his, him and his, um, I don't know, clownery, his his silliness. I think Jimmy covered that well with his Antonio Clown show. So if you, if you want to hear what he stated, check him out on the solo show last week where he kind of went in on all the incidents. And on actually our last Monday show, all the incidents that our boy Antonio Brown has gone through. But this Baker Mayfield one was a little bit more interesting to me because I feel like Baker Mayfield has now become a caricature to all of us. Like he's not really, he's not really doing anything, but everything he does do is now the alter ego of who Baker Mayfield really is. It's really the caricature at this point to where no matter what he does, he will be shined in a negative light. He's built that reputation. We all know that he's quote unquote cocky. He thinks, you know, he 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 has this belief in himself and he likes to stir the pot. And that's who he is. That's who he's going to be. And we now have prepared ourselves by going numb based upon anything that he does. We know what he's going to do. And at the same time, everyone's making big deals about any and everything he says or does. I mean, throughout training camp, all we were hearing about him making comments about duke johnson and he made the comment of you want to be here you can just leave go ahead and get up get on about and then he was talking about how he jumps on his teammates jumps on the wide receivers and all that and half the people were like yeah that's leadership that's what you want from your quarterback and the other half are out there saying hey man you better watch yourself while all your teammates turn on you you know it's kind of like that Willie Beam in a Steak type situation where you know you feel like you're the one doing everything and you start chastising everybody the wrong way. They're going to let that blind side linebacker, that bandit, hit you right in your back, teach you a lesson, you know? And, but I don't think Baker Mayfield has hit that point as far as with his teammates go, but with the media, oh man, they're trying to find as many, as many one liners from him as possible, as many audio clips they can possibly get because now he has become that, caricature so in this in this story with a GQ he did a, he did a interview with uh with with Clay Skipper and they kind of sat down at a steakhouse in uh Cleveland talked about Baker him you know walking on it oh you why he believes in himself and you know just kind of going down the line and list of, of 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 the Baker Mayfield that we're starting to learn about and I think what jumped out, well, jumped out to everybody, the clickbait behind all of this was the statements that he made about um, Daniel Jones. So near their booth, a Sports Center segment about the, uh, this is from the article itself on GQ, it states uh, a segment about the New York Giants catches May- Mayfield's eye. I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones, Mayfield said after about New York's much uh, mangled, um draft a decision to spend the sixth pick on the quarterback from Duke, whose college record was a measly 17 and nine, 17 and 19. And he and Baker says, blows my mind. And he says, some people overthink it, Mayfield says, that's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. And that was the quote that everyone has put on as bulletin board, bulletin board material for Daniel Jones. That's literally what everybody has put out there. And then, of course, the Twitterverse went off. And I saw a few posts where, like, oh, this was Cam Newton that said something like that. You know, they will people will go off. And uh, it seems like he's not getting any backlash from this. And I say that to the users that felt the need to say that that you obviously can't read or you follow the wrong people because if you looked at everything that went out, everyone started criticizing Baker Mayfield. They immediately did. Couple of, then later that day, Baker clarified it. Um, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But in this article itself, he really talks about believing in himself, why he has attacked tattoo, same belief, in yourself and his mentality and the way that he does it. And he's saying that he does it different. He does it his way. He he wants to set, you know, blaze his own trail. He wants to be that guy. You know, his his infamous statement of, when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous, you know, after winning a game or whatnot. And he's he has this persona. It, it reminds me in a way of the Deion Sanders primetime persona but the difference is, is Baker Mayfield is prime time all the time. He needs to create a Deion Sanders persona, uh, the quiet, humble guy. No, he's always been the guy that – but but the thing is, he's always been the guy that's worked his butt off to get to where he is. I mean, he works his tail off. I mean, he you can't go from being a walk-on at two universities, walk on to a university like OU – who just came off of a sugar bowl win in 2014 versus Alabama and the starting quarterback for the team currently was the MVP of that game. Like they dismantled Nick Saban and his team, even though everyone says, Oh, Nick Saban, they didn't care. They didn't want to be there. Yeah. They shouldn't have played in the game. They should just quit. To me, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. Just don't show up. I don't care. You know, there's no excuse. If you step on the field, you need to perform. So, Baker walks in and he's able to take the starting job after sitting out a year, going from that into two time, to- I mean, two times being ranked in the top five for Heisman and then winning it his senior year, getting drafted number one. Which he even says in the article, "I didn't think I was going to be drafted number one. I never expected it." But all the incidents he has now in the history of who he is, we know that we don't know if this is really him or if he's putting on a show. But regardless, the media has created this caricature of him to where no matter what he does, we scrutinize him. Everything he says is picked apart. Everyone's trying to find an excuse to say he's either immature, he's not a leader, or he's not as good as advertised. And the good thing for him is he is showing that he is. I mean, they won seven, eight, and one with them. I mean, they won six of the last 13 games with him. His first year. That's impressive for a team that had only won one game in, what, two years before that. That's telling something. So after he makes this statement about Daniel Jones, of course, it becomes bullet uh, bulletin board material. Everyone's talking about it. That's the big deal. Baker clarifies. He's like, that's not what I said. So what he you say? So the statement he put out on his Instagram is, that's not what I said. Just so we're clear. I also said, I was surprised I got drafted. Number one, They was talking about the flaws in evaluating quarterbacks where I brought up winning, being important. Reporters and media would do anything to come up with a clickbait story, heard nothing but good things and wish nothing but the best for Daniel Jones. And of course, he reached out to Daniel Jones himself personally talked about it, etc. And then of course they asked Daniel Jones about it. And Daniel Jones gave you the perfect Eli Manning statement of, I mean, he's a good player. He's a heck of a player. And, um, I am, I have a lot to work on. I, I got a lot to focus on here with the giants. You can throw it. And I enjoy watching them play. So, now we, create, we manufacture the story of Baker Mayfield being, you know, oh, he's clowning Daniel Jones. Look at him. Look how disrespectful he is. Ugh, he's this, he's that. When, honestly, I kind of think that Baker probably did make a comment about the way players are evaluated. He probably was in shock that they took him at that position. I mean, think about it. He did go 17-19 and in college. He didn't win many games. And it's not very common that a quarterback that doesn't win games in college translates to wins in the NFL. Because Tom Brady did win a lot of games at Michigan. Joe Flacco won a lot of games at Delaware after he transferred. Uh, Russell Wilson won a lot of games at Wisconsin as well as North Carolina State. Most of your quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers won a lot of games at Cal. College quarterbacks win a lot of games, and that makes sense. I agree with him with that statement that you got to win games in order to really be evaluated. Like, I'm still trying to figure out this Josh Allen thing because I don't think he really did much in college. He wasn't that good. He wasn't even the, the best player in his conference, and that's usually the, the the indicator of having opportunity of being a top quarterback uh, or even top player in his league. Aaron Rodgers was up there, you know, a lot of these other players. I mean, Tom Brady's an exception to the rule. He was just really good at Michigan, but he's also playing in the Big Ten to where you got to deal with your, you know, at the times you got what Purdue, you had, um, you had Ohio State as usual, Michigan State's always producing something. And some of the other schools, they do too. So Baker's not wrong in the thought process. You got to win. But the big thing behind this is, is he knows if anything he has to watch what he says cuz no matter how he says it when he says it or what he says everybody going to look at that man crazy and i'm one of them so all right the XFL has unveiled their names, logos, all that jazz. And I kind of wanted to take a couple minutes to chat about it. Cause this interests me. The new leagues interest me. Like the AAF, I saw great potential out of them. And to be honest, their, their ability to allow betting on per play situations. Oh yeah. It was cutting edge. And I saw why the Carolina Hurricanes owner decided to go and jump on it because there's money that can be made there. If the, the tech's already there and it's a lot cheaper to buy the league than it would have been for him to buy, pay for someone to develop the same thing. He was smart. I thought I was very disrespectful to the league itself, but he was smart. So I was hoping the American, the, 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 the Alliance of American football would have been more successful or done something, but I got to give it to, uh, to Vince McMahon. He was smart about putting it the way he's putting together the XFL. He took his time. He, he sold some of his shares in WWE He's also raised the value of WWE to where he's able to have the funding to be able to do this. And now he gets to burn $250 million in this league and see what he can. He's also brought in some big name coaches. I mean, Bob Stoops is going to run the Dallas team, which is really good for him. Because during that season, he'll, his off season will be while his son is playing at OU. So he can actually some see some OU games and travel. Or whatnot, like he wants, but during his, during his weeks, he'll be working his butt off in uh in, in fighting players and coaching, etc. But I'm intrigued by the new leagues because I want to see what they can do. And I think the one thing that 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 can set a team off and get people's attention is going to be the the logos. The team names, the mascots—that's the thing that really is going to drive attention into the league. The AAF—I didn't think that their team names were really that good. I mean, the Iron, you had the what the the, the Apollos—it just didn't. All of it was—I don't know. It, none of the none of it felt that good. It didn't feel like anything is going to really jump out and uh, get your attention. But looking at the way that the XFL is doing it, they've gone out and got the corniest, dumbest names you could possibly have. I mean, looking at AAF, you get the the legend, the Birmingham Iron, Memphis Express, Orlando Apollos, Arizona Hotshots, Saint Salt Lake Stallions, San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet. It's just, you know, it's, whatevs xfl though these are names We got eight teams these eight names we got they got the dallas renegades sounds like a dallas team i think they've actually had a renegades team that was in like arena or something whatevs houston roughnecks what's a roughneck I'm I'm gonna leave that there Los Angeles Wildcats why are we still naming teams Wildcats can we stop naming teams Wildcats can we eliminate the word Wildcats because there's Wildcats everywhere my middle school was the Wildcats we've got like 80 of them in college football I, mean, I remember when we had Kentucky Wildcats play the Arizona Wildcats for the championship in the 90s what was that 97 96 and I used to talk about hey I'm pulling for the Wildcats he he ha ha that was the joke really bad joke but We made the joke. Can we stop calling teams Wildcats? New York Guardians. That was not too bad. Now, the St. Louis Battle Hawks. Okay, so what exactly is a Battle Hawk? Is it a Hawk ready for war or. I don't know. But St. Louis and Battle Hawks didn't seem like they go together. Now, if they would have put that in New York. Probably would have been okay with it or even in the West Coast. I mean, like they got the Seattle Dragons. Ain't no Dragons in Seattle, but there also ain't no Seahawks. Well, there's no Seahawks up there, probably. They're definitely a Mariners. I mean supersonics was great. But the Dragons? Is this a playoff of Game of Thrones? I don't I don't know. And then you got Tampa Bay Vipers. Now, the Bay Vipers would have been neat, but they're the Tampa Bay Vipers. And then the Washington Defenders, that that's our eight teams. So you've got Renegades, Roughnecks, Wildcats, Guardians, Battlehawks, Dragons, and Vipers. And I don't know what to think about any of those team names, except for that Battlehawks is stupid. But I think all of these will be memorable in some capacity, way more memorable than what the AAF was able to do. So let's see what the XFL can do and what Oliver Luck as the commissioner can get out of this leak. All right, so... Okay. All right. Okay, so so the next topic I got for you guys I want to chop it up about is um is interesting to me. So the NBA rookies had a survey. Yeah, I know I'm talking the NBA. And it's kind of funny to to go back before I was Boise Z, my boy was picking at me, we talking about the show. He's like, "Man, you you got a formula." He's talking NFL, NFL. Sprinkle some NBA if you can. Go back to NFL. If there's nothing to really talk about, talk the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, transition from the Thunder into movies, books, comic books if it's really dead. And if last but not least, you really can't squeeze anything out, you talk baseball. He's right. NFL is the cash cow. NBA has slowly starting to creep up because they got all kinds of stuff going on. Especially the drama that we've seen from them over the last couple of years. I mean, the last couple of free agencies have been amazing. If you really think about it, the last three years have been awesome. From Kevin Durant to uh to 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 last summer where the Thunder were making all kinds of trades and players going. It's, it's been awesome. We've had nothing but fun with free agency with the NBA. So those two have really been holding it down. And to be honest, I mean, baseball cool. I'm not a baseball dude. Jimmy's the baseball guy. And we talked about that. Jimmy's the baseball guy. He knows it. He keeps up. He watches. I can't. I try. I can watch playoff baseball. I kill with the players for the most part. But baseball on it ain't it. And, heck, I just saw an article the other day about how people are complaining, baseball fans are complaining about baseball just not being as good as it used to. Makes sense when everybody starts to hit home runs. But besides that, the NBA, though, had the rookies do their annual survey. So, rookie survey came out. Of course, I sat there and looked at it. It was some good stuff. And it basically asked the players about their uh, their rankings for where they think people are going to end up this season. From rookie of the year, who's going to have the best career, their favorite NBA player, what's the things they need to work on, all of that jazz. And so NBA.com put it out there. They do it every year. Um, and, of course, who do you think is going to be the key of rookie of the year? And, of course, 35% of the rookies gave it straight up to the person we expected it to go to. So I think everybody, every single one of us would have priced at the exact same thing, and it's uh, Zion. Yeah, they all think that Zion's going to be the one that's going to end up winning rookie of the year. Makes sense. And Ja Morant was second place, which, you know, that's the number one, number two pick. R.J. Barrett number was, third, was tied for third with Cam Reddish um, at 5%. And Ja Morant was 27% and Zion was 35. Makes sense. Now, the funny thing is, is that he is the, well, in the last 10 years, only the top voter to get that has, only one person has done it, and that was Kevin Durant in 07. Outside of that, no top pick, actually won the rookie of the year that year. Um... It goes from Kevin Durant to John Wall, Anthony Davis, C.J. McCollum slash Victor Oladipo, uh, Jabari Parker, which is funny. The the rookies voted C.J. McCollum to be rookie of the year, and we didn't even think he was that good. He stayed injury prone, and then all of a sudden McCollum, you know, shine. but – That was interesting. Now I think the one that jumped out, there's two things that jumped out the most. It was who their favorite NBA player was and the rookie that they believe is going to have the best career. And the rookie that they felt like is going to have the best career got a substantial amount of backlash online. I mean, the first thing everyone started to do was rip up this guy's college career and his percentages, which everyone loves to go to percentages in some capacities without looking at the true impact behind those percentages and what they did. And so... The rookie that they said will have the best career at 19% is Cam Reddish. Number two is John Morant. Number three was DeAndre Hunter. And then fourth is tied for four people with R.J. Barrett, Jackson Hayes, Kobe White, and Zion Williamson. Now, this was super intriguing to me because of that, I kind of agree with the guys. Now, if anything, I probably would have moved, uh, or was that Rui Hachimura? I probably would have moved him up from Washington. I think that he's going to have a phenomenal career. He's super raw, but he's going to have a, I think he's going to have a really good career because he looks like he's very coachable and he's willing to learn and adjust himself. But Cam Reddish is also, I think he's probably going to have the best career. Like I love Zion, love everything about him. He gives off the vibes of a guy that's gonna be really good, really fast, and vanish. He's gonna have those three years. He's gonna have a Bonzi Wells type career without the drama of Bonzi Wells. I just don't, I just don't know how he's gonna hold up in the league. I mean, there's a chance that he could be surreal and take care of himself so well to where he. He dominates for the next 20 years, but I don't know. Now, I don't think R.J. I think R.J. Barrett's is going to be like any other scorer in this league. He's going to be a Carmelo Anthony. He's going to put up great numbers. We're going to enjoy watching him play. People are going to like him, but he might not win anything, nor will he lead his team to do anything. So I don't know. Kobe White, I think he's going to be really good, but I think Cam Rich is going to have the best career, him and Ja Moran. Now, the question I have with Ja Moran, is always going to be his health. Got to see him stay healthy. But Cam Reddish seems like he's got the all-around game and the polish. He seems like he's the the most grown-up coming into the league. And we'll see how good he ends up being later down the line. And I think he's going to be one of those that's going to get better with age. I feel like his game is more equipped for something like that, whereas Zion, so much with athleticism, he's got skills, but his athleticism really outweighs everything, and I don't know – what his body is going to be like in the future. But I, I, I do like the idea. I got to get the players on that one. Cam Reddish was my pick too. but And uh, what's funny, Wendell Carter Jr. was picked last year, which is interesting. So in this question, they say this is the sixth straight player, sixth straight year that a Duke player has earned or tied for the most votes for that question. With Cam Reddish joining Jabari Parker, ugh, Jaleel Okafor, ugh, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, and Wendell Carter Jr. So, and then Kevin Durant won it. John Wall, um, Blake Griffin, Anthony Davis, Oladipo, and Kelly Olenek. That's funny. Was also voted as well. Lonzo Ball got it in 17. He was tied with Tatum, which I think Lonzo will be fine. We'll talk about it some other time. But that was, that was interesting to me that the players see that Cam is going to be that dude. And I think is with his work ethic and especially the way that uh, Kobe White was talking. I think he's going to be legit. I'm sorry, that was Cam Johnson that Kobe White was excited about. But Cam Reddish is going to be really good. I think that he's going to be a super solid player. So anyway, but then the question of all the questions is who's everybody's favorite player? And the internet, of course, went nuts because... Shockingly, this individual did not get any love whatsoever. Who's that individual you ask? I'm going to tell you who was picked. So who's your favorite player in the league? Number one, who's been number one for the last three years is uh, LeBron James, followed by Kevin Durant. Tied for third, which is shocking to me, is Kawhi Leonard and Damian Lillard. That seems a little high for those two. And I'll talk about that in a second. And then tied for fifth really threw me off at Devin Booker and James Harden. Like, what? And then others that received some votes are Jamal Crawford, Kevin Garnett, who's not in the league, um, Paul George, C.J. McCollum, Steve Nash, Pascal Siakam. That's weird. And Russell Westbrook. One name is not on that list. Yep. Steph Curry. That I don't get. I'm not going to lie. Like, why wouldn't Steph Curry be on that list? Like, what, what is it about Steph that the players aren't feeling? You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm thinking that because these players were raised on the LeBron era and when Curry started to come up into the league, they still were already, I guess you could say, LeBron stands to where they, there was no transition for them. But it's amazing to me that not a single one of the players picked him. Not one. Like, That, to me, is probably the most disrespectful thing I could ever have read in here. Because last year, favorite player in the league tied for second place was Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Tied for second place. like They both got 9% of the vote last year. And in third, which is even funnier, another player that's not on this list that I didn't even that I didn't even mention. And y'all explain to me where how this happens too is Giannis Antetokounmpo. How is Giannis not any of their favorite player? At all. To add to that, Jamal Crawford's on the list, Pascal Siakam's on the list, Steve Nash got a vote, Kevin Garnett got a vote, but Kyrie Irving didn't either. So we're looking at Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who did not get a vote from these rooks. And like I said, I get the LeBron one because he was their era. Like looking at the past ones, you have Kobe, Kobe, LeBron, Kobe in 13, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, 14, 15, 16, and then the rest have been LeBron 17, 18, 19. I get that. It's usually the top wing that gets this nod from the players because, I mean, the league's a wing league. I mean, Jordan created, made it to a wing league. He he basically ushered in the era of eliminating the big man. But nobody like Steph, Kyrie, or Giannis, none of those three are their favorites. That's, that's shocking, and I feel like it's a telling piece that no matter what, the transition of sh- the, the shooting era of this league, no matter what, it's still not. They still appreciate athleticism and force more than they do shooting. So I think them, like the rest of the fans out there, can like Golden State now they're shooting, but they really prefer a guy that dominates athletically on the court. That's just the way it is. All right. I was thinking about um, going in on that does chicken sandwich wars, but I haven't actually tried the new Popeye's chicken sandwich yet for two reasons one i'm not gonna go stand in line for a chicken sandwich it's not that's not happening i'm not gonna sit in a drive-thru a long drive-thru for a chicken sandwich i'm gucci on that uh and number two is people going crazy over that stuff man something new like that and it becomes a hype online everybody's like well i need to go try it and give my opinion on it People are a little too wild when it comes to that stuff. And I, and I'm not the guy to, 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 to pull up on that. I'm, I'm a pass and let them do, uh, let, let them do their thing. I'm gonna give it, I'm say, I'm gonna try it this weekend. I'm gonna see what it looks like over the weekend. If the lines don't look too long, I'll pull up, snag me a sandwich and I give her a review sometime next week. Maybe we'll see, but I'm not going to go buck wild over it right now. Um, uh, as everybody's going crazy and it's so funny i saw a tweet uh earlier today from shannon sharp uh he retweeted clarence uh hill um junior and i gotta read this because i think it was hilarious he's like okay let me break it down for the people who haven't had a chicken sandwich from either chick-fil-a or Popeyes. chick-fil-a sandwich tastes like it was cooked by a white woman named sarah who grew up around black people the flavor is definitely there but sarah cares about your cholesterol so she carefully she's careful about the breading Increased content. Popeye's chicken sandwich tastes like it was cooked by an older black lady named Lucille that serves on the usher board and has twelve grandkids that call her Medea. Medea don't give a bleep about your cholesterol because God's in control. I hope this helps. It in, in every way, shape, or form. Touch my soul. So yeah, it was, that's funny to me. Makes sense. That's the sandwich for those that haven't tried it. So what I'm gonna do, I'll try it later and give you guys a full review on the show. But what I need to review right now is though, trying to figure out why Jimmy failed me. Let's talk about how Jimmy failed me, guys. I asked Jimmy earlier this, last week, soon as this dropped, on August 10th, August 12th, which is exactly 10 days ago, I immediately took it, sent a text message to Jimmy and said, hey, man, rip this apart from me, please. I mean, rip it, rip it, Lotto, rip it. And he's like, oh, man, I got you. And Jimmy didn't rip anything. He, for the most part, agreed with it. And what was that? That stupid college football ranking. Yeah, man, Jimmy failed me. I wanted Jimmy to go in on this college football ranking, the greatest programs in college football history. This is why. So, if you haven't seen the articles on Sports Illustrated, just search best programs in college football history, and you'll see this top 10 list they have. The only argument I have only agreements I have is one and two besides that I can't agree with any of it as you guys know I'm super biased I'm a Tennessee Vols fan I believe the Tennessee Orange listen to Rocky Top it's what puts me to sleep at night It's so way I can relax my soul and they had the audacity to put my Tennessee Volunteers number nine above my home state the University of Oklahoma so i like okay Sports Illustrated I don't know what they're doing it feels like clickbait because so I look through the list you've got Penn State Nebraska, Notre Dame, USC, Texas Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama all above this program so I said let me do some googling I want to see what else everybody else is saying in the world and get a better understanding of why people selected who they selected so the AP has theirs their final rankings the greatest teams of all time And this last one was from 2019, July 2019. They did a poll with AP. APs was ranked number one, Oklahoma. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Ohio State. Four, Michigan. Five, Notre Dame. Six, USC. Seven, Texas. Eight, Nebraska. Nine, Penn State. And number 10 is Tennessee. Then everybody else falls in line from there. So I look at this AP one and I compare it to this Sports Illustrated one. There's a comparison between those two, but then I went over AP had a top 100 from 2017, which I thought was pretty, I think it was a little bit more solid in comparison, but I still had some changes to make. So they did just about the same, which I mean, they had a little disrespect with a couple of things that anyway, they have Ohio State, one, Alabama, two, Oklahoma, three, Notre Dame, four, Southern, California, five, Michigan, six, Nebraska, seven, Texas, eight, Florida State, nine, Florida, ten. All right. As I've read you those lists, I'm trying to understand to, to myself who at Sports Illustrated was high when they made this. What was Ross thinking? Ross Dellinger? What was he thinking actually having not only – Texas above Oklahoma, but Michigan. So let me let me give you this. So he, this is what he said about Oklahoma. The Sooners have been a jogger now for two decades, straight after some woes in the 90s. And Lincoln Riley has in a position to win a ninth all-time national title, which would be their first since 2000. Oklahoma hasn't won a championship since 2000, but they've also been to three national championship games. They've won every bowl game. They're the only team that's ever won every single BCS bowl game. So they've been all of them, and they've won in all of them. So, Bob Stoops is the only coach to ever do that. Give him props. So, he's consistently at bowls. And they have Michigan at number three. Michigan ain't won a title since 97. They're claiming for fame on here, but they feel like Jim Harbaugh has a program on the cusp of such a feat. Bro, you guys are actually relying on Jim Harbaugh, who's leading a Michigan team who has lost seven straight big games to Ohio State and 14 of the last 15 in the rivalry? Yo, they're never going to the national championship. They can't beat Ohio State. How do you go to the national championship without beating Ohio State? They're always going to be in their way. And Harbaugh's not going to probably beat them. And I like Jim Harbaugh, but they're not going to beat him this year. Watch, Michigan's going to lose that game too. That's just what happens. That's how that rolls. That's how Michigan is. But the audacity to have Michigan at number three is preposterous. And, Jimmy, you did not defend me. You actually said that you, should, you would switch Texas and Oklahoma. You would move Oklahoma to four behind Michigan. Of, great. Michigan is the winningest program in history. Cool. Ohio State second. I'll give them that. Michigan is all-time winningest. Michigan also has been irrelevant since 97. Roughly. Roughly irrelevant since 97. Like, looking at the numbers for Michigan, let's look at this. Michigan themselves have two championships. Two championships. And they have had a number one ranking 34 times. And this was back in... 2017, when AP had this 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 breakout, Ohio State's had 105 number one rankings, Alabama's had 103, Oklahoma's had 100 and a half number one rankings in AP poll. Seven titles. I, I I think yes. Okay, I'm from Oklahoma, so of course you're gonna say I'm biased with it or whatnot. Yeah, true, cool. But if you if you anybody actually believes that Oklahoma isn't a top three program ever. You don't know sports. You don't know college football. They have been consistently in the top every in, in some capacity except for when they had their 90s blunders under John Blake. But outside of that, OU has been everywhere, relevant every year. The longest winning streak in college football history. You see the stuff that they've done here in the Big 12 with 10 teams now. They're consistently in the conversation every year since Bob Stoops won the national championship. They probably had one bad year. Haven't been under 500 every year. They're there. Michigan can't say that at all. USC, I don't know what to say about them. They've lost a lot of um, games technically with Pete Carroll because supposedly he was cheating. Reggie Bush had a house. $700,000 $700,000 house out in California. So I don't know, but USC should be ranked high because they had some good runs, but they've sucked the last couple of years, but they had a great run through the two thousands. But outside of that, the Trojans have always had some sort of consistency. NFL players. Let's think about it. Michigan puts out a lot of NFL players. So does Oklahoma, Ohio state. So in my rankings, I had Alabama one, I give Ohio State a slight nod on Oklahoma at number two, and Oklahoma would definitely be number three. But I can make an argument for Oklahoma to be number two. And, and ESPN did the greatest programs ever, what was that, about 10 years ago? And they had Oklahoma as the number one of all time. And honestly, it's arguably you can argue that. Because Alabama had a lot more down years than Oklahoma. But Alabama does have the most titles. Notre Dame hasn't really done anything since what? Early nineties. We haven't heard anything from Notre Dame, and they're not going to. I mean, they'll make it to some of these. They'll make it to the conference to the uh, playoff probably in a couple more times, just because of Notre Dame. They can get talent, and they can win games, especially as independent. You can you can. You can stack your schedule. But the biggest thing behind this is how, how do you have Oklahoma ranked number 10? And, Jimmy, I'm so disappointed you actually thought that it's okay for Oklahoma to be behind Michigan. Michigan, they weren't really doing anything in the 90s that much. I mean, look at it. Top rankings. Oklahoma, number ones, 100. Michigan, 34. 34, Nebraska's ranked higher. Nebraska's best full decade was in the 90s. They got four titles. Four titles. Nebraska was a powerhouse at one point, but they have been irrelevant since they left the big 12. You forgot that they had a school. Oklahoma's been top five in percentage of point of poll appearances in five decades 50s, 70s, 80s, 2000s, and 10s. Most of any program. They have been unquestionably one of the most consistent programs in college football histories, in history. Alabama, right up there with them. And of course, Alabama right now is just winning title after title after title. They're that team. But how do you think that even my Tennessee volunteers who I think has got some good history. I mean, they're think they're ninth overall in 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 in, in wins all time wins. You think that they're actually ranked higher than Oklahoma? The stock is rising for Oklahoma. What? What? Tennessee has barely made bowl games in the last ten years, and you got them ranked higher than Oklahoma. That tells me that Ross Dellinger had his agenda, and it was preposterous. So, to me, I don't even want to hear. That dude's name, voice, I don't do know he's live. Somebody just fire him at SI, because that's just ridiculous. But anyway, appreciate y'all joining me as usual here on the Half-Burr Sports Show. We do this twice a week. Check us out on the website, halfburrssportshow.com, as well as with our partner, WMQGRadio.com, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, noon Eastern. Um, we'll have our next show on Monday. We'll talk college football it starts this coming weekend, so be prepared. We've got two games, which is who was at uh, Miami, as well as um, who's coming up. We got Miami and Florida playing each other. Am I right on that? Yeah, Miami playing Florida, which is going to be solid. And Miami not even ranked. It's terrible. And then that's really it, technically, as far as the top 25 goes. You have a, a couple other non-ranked games, which... It'll wet your whistle when you started. You got Arizona playing Hawaii. But then next Thursday, when the games come in, we'll have our NFL preview show coming up, as well as a preview into college football. So for Bob, Mike, Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best, holding us down. For my co-host Jimmy, check us out on Tuesday. Noon Eastern, WMQGRadio.com on the Half Burst Sports Show.
0: Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.